time. Your trouser leg shows the mark of recent immersion in salt water. By the docks, no doubt. There is a brandy stain on your right shirt cuff. Odd, for normally you are quite mindful of your appearance. But perhaps your laxness is explained by the faint trace of lilac perfume lingering about your person. The lady who detained you is no doubt a woman of some sophistication and means. I regret to say my observations fail to discern any evidence of this alleged medical emergency, so I cannot accept your apology. Having said his piece, Holmes briskly opened his umbrella and walked away. Still cross, I nevertheless followed after my friend. His observations, of course, were true. Naturally, however, they had led him to a false conclusion. Holmes, let me explain. Turning enviably dry under his umbrella, Holmes paused to hear me out. I was at the docks early this morning, completing the errand you assigned me, when a lifeboat was spotted rowing into the harbour. A crowd of men gathered at the dock to greet the small rowboat, and of course duty required me to present myself as a physician to the authorities there. Only two survivors remained from the terrible tragedy that had befallen that ship. One, a Mrs. Ranstead, was of slight stature, and exposure to the cold, wind and sea spray, had reduced her vigor to such a degree that my professional judgment required that she be sheltered immediately to warm lodgings. With the aid of the other survivor, a gruff sailor by the name of Clooney, I carried her to a nearby inn and found her a room. Hurriedly, I stoked the fire in the room's stove until it was unbearably hot and offered the poor creature brandy. Her hand shook so much that she spilled her drink, staining my shirt cuff. I examined her and was relieved to find no other injuries. The combination of the stiflingly hot room, the brandy and the blankets, piled over her, soon brought color to her cheeks. And remembering the urgent nature of my appointment with you, I left her in the capable hands of the inn's proprietor. Bringing a finger to his lips, Holmes paused to consider all I had told him. The dismal weather could not disguise the gleam in his eye. Something in my account had captured his interest. And now, my friend, I must ask you to accept my apology. I have allowed recent observations to obscure truth. I have known for so long. I was wrong to doubt you, Watson. Mollified, indeed somewhat touched, by the sincerity with which Holmes delivered his apology. I replied, think nothing of it. First things first, Watson, Holmes said, sharing the relative shelter of his umbrella with me as we set off again. What did you discover concerning the deliberately misplaced cargo? Did you find it on the Empress? No, but I did find it aboard the vessel Ethe this morning. Just as you said I would. Nodding, Holmes seemed disappointed, though my answer proved his deduction correct. The Ethy it is then. For a while I thought there might be more to this case than simple embezzlement, but I see I credited our thief with too much ambition. I'm sorry I told you to bring your service revolver. In light of this new information, I don't expect our man will be difficult to bring into custody. I've arranged for a constable to meet us on Killigrew Street. I see nothing to prevent us from turning this matter over to the local authorities. Now, Watson, tell me more about your adventure this morning. What was the name of the unfortunate ship?
The Canning's Pride. There is to be an inquiry, I expect. This very afternoon I've been called to testify. Excellent. Holmes smiled broadly, his earlier irritation forgotten. Tell me what you know about this disaster at sea. And please leave nothing out. Forgiven, I related what few facts I had gleaned of the incident. The Canning's Pride had been a two-masted schooner, making a routine passage from St. John's to Falmouth. As was the custom of the ship's captain, an ill salt named Dove, the ship carried a dozen passengers, as well as a holdful of Grand Bank's cod. One of the passengers, Mrs. Mary Ranstead, had been travelling with her husband at the time of the accident. It was from Mrs. Ranstead that I received my information. She told me that while in St. John's, Captain Dove agreed to transport a curiosity, an iron meteorite, which had been a sacred relic of the extinct Beothux. Captain Dove, not a man to be deterred by primitive superstitions, had the heavy stone secured in...